0: Here's what's coming up on this week's show. If you remember Arkwright, out of, was open all hours? Yes. He has the most brilliant line that I use with my clients. Now, listen, he said, what they come in for is up to them. What they go out with is up to us. (laughs) The Beat. Welcome to The Big Little Business Show. The podcast that helps small business
1: think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to The Big Little Business Show, the first one for 2022. As uh, my well, poor foot over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. And before we go any further, if this is the first time you've experienced what's going to happen next, we're um, a podcast all about helping small businesses grow by giving them a whole bunch of experts who know a thing or two about helping small businesses grow. Now, if you've been here before great don't forget to do one thing for us that'll be fab well in fact two things Uh, one of those is to hit follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on and number two is to make sure you leave us a review on that podcast platform because that helps the biggest up in podcast land well here we are actually officially in our third year of broadcasting
2: i know happy new year as well another year is about to commence
1: i'm particularly excited about this episode me
2: too um this one is uh, very relevant at the moment because the behaviour of how people purchase and buy has changed so much over the last two years, especially.
1: Yeah, well, we've obviously moved a lot more into online retail. Uh, A lot of businesses who have had perhaps high street stores have embraced online retail for the first time. But not only that, this can pass people by, and I think elements of it pass everyone by, even though you might know some of this stuff goes on, is when you walk into a store or you go onto a shop online Everything, especially with the big businesses, the big companies and the big brands, they've made a conscious decision with everything that you're viewing on that store, uh, in that store, online. It's all, what's the word I'm looking for? It's all been orchestrated in a very, very precise way.
2: Orchestrated, yeah. And
1: there's a science behind that.
2: This is why it's so, so interesting because everything's been thought about, and I won't go into it too much now to spoil what we're going to talk about, but everything is done for a reason to get us to react in a certain way.
1: So our guest Carl Hinder uh, has a background in retail, specifically now he helps the uh, beauty and salon industry, so hairdressers, uh, nail bars, all those kind of things, and helps them to move their business on. Uh, So he knows a thing or two about retail, but also about the service industry and how we can, I don't really, don't want to use the word manipulate because that's a cruel word, but how Mm. we can... Guide? Become, yeah, become more effective sellers, I think, because ultimately, if you want to run a business, you've got to be able to sell stuff, whether it's a service or a product let's get carl on for the first episode of 2022 and understand the science of selling this is the big little business show what things do you think are important to know about your customers when it comes to making decisions about how to sell to them
0: okay well that's that's an interesting starting point from you because my starting point was that we can't sell to anyone until we actually know who we're selling to so it's the same question and the other way around. Yeah. So when I work with someone, the very first thing we got to do is identify who our target audience is. And too many retailers think that everyone is their target audience. So if you look at companies that are really, really kind of specified and drilled down properly, like, I don't know, something like Rolex or something like that, they identify their market. Now it's pretty easy. They won't say that. It's now pretty easy to work out the kind of tricks and the kind of systems that you can use to work on those people. But if I'm working with someone, I'm normally looking at the demographic profile of the people, of the person, of the client, and I'm then looking at the personal profile of the client. So, you know, the demographics is going to be things like, you know, postcode and gender and all that sort of stuff. And then the personal stuff will be, you know, do they go to the gym and are they interested in adventure and that sort of stuff. So to actually really retail effectively, we've got to understand who the client is. So I usually broad stroke say, let's start with the demographic. Let's look at a personal profile. And then we've got something to work on.
1: Claire and I, we've we've talked about this. In fact, we had an episode about this last year, didn't we, Claire, about understanding who your audience is. It's like the first peg in every single decision you make within your business, isn't
0: it? Yeah, but so few people do it. So few, particularly small businesses, obviously big, big businesses, never got to be big. And without doing this. But small businesses tend to go right. I not matter what it is, they're either selling, I don't know, it could even be a chip shop, you know. They don't. They think the public and everyone walking past and everyone online is all their target audience. And like I said, if you've done an episode on this, you will have pretty much exhausted it. But it is unfortunate for small businesses that they don't do this really early in their process so that they can really kind of define what they're doing. I want chips now.
2: Ch- yeah, <laughs> chips and mayonnaise, please. I don't know why, but I talk about chip shops
0: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're finding out a lot about you already, Carl. It must be, it must be the, it must be the uh, time of the day that we're talking. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. So um, if a business has identified their target client and exactly who they want to be, you know, uh, reaching out to, to to sell their product or their service, How do you think that client receives that information um, best? Do you think it's through visually or do you think a lot of people will take in subconsciously a message and maybe make a decision about buying based on just the way that they feel subconsciously without even realising?
0: No, I think uh, the majority of customers purchasing are doing it subconsciously. I don't think they really understand all of the effects of whether it's the music that's being played or the brightness of the product or the arrangement or the the eye level or whatever it is. I mean, I know these days people are aware of these things, but even when you're aware of them, I don't think that most people are making a deliberate purchase with all those things in mind.
1: I love walking into uh, a supermarket and picking up on stuff that they've done and actually I think it's probably just because of the world we live in the three of us that you, know, you kind of we consciously notice these things and actually understand why they've been done and there are loads that you go into a supermarket it's a good example actually because you go into a supermarket and there are loads of these little tricks that uh, the big businesses do time and time again to entice us to buy things that perhaps we didn't walk into the store for I mean what are some of the really really big obvious things that uh, people do I know you mentioned about you know having things at eye level and uh, and the music the music even the music has an effect doesn't it
0: well the music has a really big effect and it can it can have that at a supermarket level and if you listen to the supermarkets when you go around on this some of them actually decide to have no music at all none of them have really fast music
2: dancing around because
0: they don't want you you know <laughs> racing your shopping cart up and down those aisles You know, why do you think things like um, relaxing places like spas and that sort of stuff play slow because they want you to enjoy, they want to take your time? can't remember the stats, but when I was working with um, uh, a restaurant uh, a little while back, we, we did some studies on wine drinking and that if you played slow, seducive music, it was something ridiculous. I think the stats came back at like you were 38% 38% more likely or something oh like God. that to, you know, spend or, or to spend 38% more money on, on, the, on the wine.
1: I know, Claire, you don't need any sort of change in music to persuade you to buy wine. I was just about to
2: say, I was just about to say, I'd be more than happy to partake in, in any market research. Just give me a call. I'll be more than happy to oblige.
0: There was something um, that Paul said there early in that question. And it always reminds me of this. So I don't know if you guys, because I know you're, you know, you both of you are pretty young. But you're, if, you, if you remember Arkwright out of, um was it, Open All Hours? Yes. He has the most brilliant line that I use with my clients if they're that kind of people. And I, he says, now listen, he said, what they come in for is up to them. What they go out with is up to us. Oh, that's good. That's good. And that's exactly the mentality that we should have in in all of our businesses. That doesn't mean about ripping people off. No. That's just, sometimes it's just education. Sometimes it's just, um, depends if it's in the food sector. It's probably a bit of manipulation, but often it can be genuine help uh, and a genuine purchase. But... Yeah, the mentality is, you know, what they go out with is up to us.
1: You could almost spin on it and say, well, actually, you might actually be helping them to make better choices than the ones they went in intending to to make.
0: Yeah, yeah. One of the things that supermarkets do, but we all should do, is reciprocated selling, which basically means, you know, you've you've been in there and they... I don't know, got some sausages cooking or or bits of cheese or something on top of the deli- mm-hmm. delicatessen. I can
1: tell this episode is going to make me so hungry.
2: <laughs> Wine and cheese. <laughs> Wine and cheese
1: and chips are doing well so far. So
0: what the, that is reciprocated selling and we do it in all sorts of walks of life. I do it in coaching where I give away a lot of content. I give away a lot of my time and people feel at some time impulse to return that favor. So when you do the sampling as an example or you get a gift voucher in the post or or a business do something really really nice for you then you're more prone to actually return that favor
2: it's loyalty isn't it and if you look after them they're going to be more likely to come back to you but then of course they're going to be more likely to speak to other people about how well you've treated them what about um when you walk into a premises and there's a maybe a particular product that a, a company would like to sell more of, uh, how important is the positioning of that product? So if you walk into a store, is, is, there, is there a set rule to what side it should be on or should it be straight or at an angle? Or, you know, Are there any tips that you can share with that?
0: Oh, look, there's loads and loads of things. And we almost kind of need to do this by category because um, even the weekend, I, I told you I went out with my wife and we went into a clothing shop where it was quite expensive and separately went into a very cheap clothing shop. And they both had different strategies. So the expensive shop had the most expensive clothes at the front and the cheap stuff at the back. And the cheap guys had the cheaper stuff at the front to drag you in. And once they got you in, we we're gonna kind of continue that journey. So I think it's gonna depend on the business, but if you was kind of going into a supermarket or if you're going into most retail stores, you're probably going to get hit with something that's of a high uh, margin, a high profit for these guys. You won't see very often some sort of um, discount at the front of the store. Although over the last, I think maybe five or 10 years, they do put the big offers at the front of the store. You know, there's like a seasonal aisle and they try and drag you in with what we think are big offers, but they, they essentially um, aren't.
1: Putting the sale items at the back, that's something I'd never really considered before. Um, but yes, it's very true, isn't it? And, and also I noticed in some of the bigger department stores where you have like a, uh, a women's section and a man's section for clothes, uh, they'll often put the man's section further away. I'm not quite sure why that. You always have to go further for the, for the men's stuff than you do for the women. Why is that?
2: That's true. They do.
0: I, do. I, I don't know on that one. Honest. maybe Maybe the ladies are a little bit more... Patient. Um, I was going to
2: say important.
0: <laughs> now, you probably knew I was going to say this thing, but I, I, I'm going to bounce it anyway. So there's strategic products in the in a, in a superstore, isn't there? You know, we know, for example... Yeah, like the islands and stuff like that. Well, more than that. Think about things like sugar, tea, milk, okay? Uh-huh. You never, ever have them at the front of the store, do you? You've never been in a superstore with it at the front? No. No.
2: Right,
0: right. They're always around the edge or they're in the deep bowels because... In the olden, well, the olden days, until recently, everybody needed sugar, tea, sugar, sugar, tea, milk, coffee, those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, it's your standard stuff. It's like your your regular groceries, isn't it? Yeah.
0: So they will then go and put them um, in an area that makes you got to walk the, because nobody's going to walk into a superstore, say, I need, you know, uh, a kilo of sugar. And get out with a kilo of sugar, are they?
2: I always spend about £30. I've worked this out. On average, I'll go in to get some milk and I always hit £30,
1: £35. See, now that's... I've learned a trick, actually, and that moves us rather nicely onto my next question, Carl, because I've learned a a trick with my grocery shopping is I do it all online. Then I don't get caught up I mean there are but there are so I say mm-hmm. I don't get caught up in any of the traps but there are some traps because some of this stuff converts to online doesn't it and that's really important at the moment to understand what you could actually take out of a store and put onto a, a virtual store
0: well the virtual if you look at the virtual setup they've they they, 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 they they've learned haven't they from the um, from practical selling or manual selling whatever you want to call that so if you if you go to buy something online um, you know the, the next thing is a pop-up saying people who bought this also bought this mm-hmm. yeah and you know there's a bit of psychology saying well why did they buy it maybe i should buy it as well if if i'm gonna buy carl's book then maybe this other book would be super complimentary now did you just slip that in on purpose carl
2: that was smooth <laughs> that was very that was like, you <laughs> you
0: like that did you really slip that in quietly. <laughs> that was subtle so online is very very similar but you're subject subjected to this kind of um you know bashing every day. You you might have escaped, but if you then went into the petrol station and paid by cash or card over the counter, they probably nabbed you for a can of, I don't know, Red Bull or a bar of chocolate or or I will pick up my milk um, because I need a couple of extra pints.
1: But sometimes when I go and shop in uh, other places online, I think they're a little bit cleverer with how they do it. So even when you're browsing things, you see certain things placed next to one another that might you might buy both of when you were only thinking of buying one. Um, and then when you go to check out, it gives you some options about some other things. Like you said before about, you know, other people have bought this with this. Have you thought about that? Or, um, you know, comparing different items uh, that are of a, a, an equivalent value or something. I don't know. There are lots of different ways that, that lots of different companies do it, isn't there?
0: Well, you've just brought up uh- at least two things in that kind of one sentence. We can talk about, you know, you said buy one, get one free. So we can talk about typical things like bog off, which has been around for, you know, f- feels like forever now. But have a look at something like um, scarcity, how well internet sales have done with scarcity or FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. How well we say, look, this offer is finishing today on online so that you think, okay, if I I'm going to miss out if I don't take action today, they do it with closing down sales, don't they? They never close down, but they also do it with, they also do it with um, you know this product or this offer is ending today, and they do that so you think oh, I can't afford to miss out because the deal's so good. You see this in a shop where they um, they also limit the amount you're allowed to buy. Have you seen that? No, I've not seen that before. Oh, ah, okay, right. So if it's a really good deal. Then they limit it, they say, for example, like I can remember uh, we did one in one superstore I was working for. It was the reason I remember this, it was on butter, okay? And it was a ridiculously low price. And it, and we were only allowed to sell four. Now, do you think about clever this mm-hmm. is the client comes along and it says to them, You can only have four. And you think, I can only have four. Well, I better have four then.
1: Yeah, that's clever. That is <laughs> I only really smart. One. Yeah. <laughs> Right. See, without that, I
0: would have only bought one.
1: Wouldn't it's I? the
2: urgency, isn't it? It's the urgency. I guess
1: subconsciously, it makes you think. <laughs> Gosh, why are they only allowing me to have four? They and it's that it's that whole business that we ran into with the, with the toilet roll at the beginning of lockdown when you have, suddenly suddenly it was in the press and all the media, the fact that everyone was buying bog roll, and then s- that meant people went out and bought more bog roll.
2: So, if people see are, are looking at products, um, do you think at the visual? clues are more important and people respond better to visual marketing or do you think people want to see a lot of text and descriptions and information about the product or do you think it just depends on the personality
0: it depends on the product as much as the personality very different to say supermarkets and maybe buying products in small boutique or um, the uh, booty industry or something like that you see they want to buy products from people that they know like and trust so it's got very little to do with the product at all. Now, you don't have that so much in, in, uh, in Tesco's because you don't know anyone. Nobody ever talks to you. So now you need the visual cues. The reason that Lush products are, um, if, I, I guess you're familiar with Lush, you know, the bath bombs and all that sort of stuff, they don't do just, you know. otherwise they would all be black and white. You go there, the bright colors, you know, colors are known to kind of, you know, engage your endorphins. It makes you feel happy, it makes you feel, you know, good and, and
1: jolly. We did an episode, actually, Um, I think it was quite one of our early episodes all about branding and how uh colours uh can be a motive. In fact, we we did a summer short on this as well, Claire, didn't we, about brands and colours and stuff? Um, Because, yeah, really, uh, uh, there are positive colours and negative colours and colour combinations that make you feel certain ways. So, yeah, I, I guess that's a really important aspect.
2: When you referred to Lush there, you see instantly i could smell the shop
0: yeah well those are those see they're also all the cues that are cheap for you know if there's if there's small business owners now watching this or listening to this rather then these are cheap cues getting your place to smell nice getting it to sound nice getting the lighting you know all those things are really free or, or really cheap i should say or free perhaps but right, you're absolutely right. Lush have gone on the smell queue. They've gone on the color queue. Um, they've gone on the fun queue as well. So, you know, they they have very emotive names for their products. So remind, some of them remind you of food and ice cream. So they, they play, you know, they're really playing the game and they play it very, very well. At yeah, moment.
2: absolutely. I mean, I've seen offers online as well where you um, can get three options and I feel guided towards the the option um, in the middle, because uh, it's been set up maybe to to look more attractive. Is is there theory behind that? Yeah, you're
0: steering me down to deferred selling. So mm, deferred, yeah. but he oh, does. There's a name for it.
1: I love it when I've got a name. <laughs> is it normally three? I often see like groups of three and the, or an odd number. So therefore, there's always going to be one in the middle. Is it? And is it the other way? So the
0: deferred selling is kind of one of two things. So the one that Claire has spotted. So maybe it's something like you know, you go into carries and you look at three televisions and one's 5,000 pounds, one's 2,000 pounds and one's 20 quid. And you're kind of like, well, I ain't paying 5,000 pound for that TV. And if it's 20 quid, it's going to fall apart in 10 minutes. I better have the one in the middle. That's a deferred sale. And you can do that even on a small scale. You could do that with something like um, wine. So, let's say you've got a special occasion and someone's coming to your house and you see a bottle of wine at 80 pounds and one at 10 pounds, and then there's one at 40. Where'd you buy your wine, Carl? <laughs> 80 quid for a bottle of wine? I'm coming around your house for dinner. Well, uh, well, let me know because I'm obviously going to buy the 40 pound one. It's in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I ain't coming now. <laughs> Can you get some
2: cheese in as well? I'll come, Carl. Thanks. Yeah,
0: I'll have some cheese, but yeah, don't ask me for the receipt. Yeah, so that's that, you know, so it could work. It could be a wine thing. And I think Claire's kind of spotted that already.
2: What part of this process then do you feel would be good for businesses to? upsell is that I don't know if that's the right terminology but to when you've got somebody that's interested maybe in a product or a service at what is there a certain point then you should look at encourage them to buy more
1: you see this a lot of the counter as well don't you carl when you especially and i not know back in the day if you went went and order it wouldn't have bought a fridge in a store or something like that as when you go to pay for it they offer you like an extended warranty or something but then also when you go to a, a, do it online as well like we said before uh, they're trying already before you've checked out before you've paid your money over this are you sure you don't want this this
0: and this it depends what you're buying so let's say it was a fridge, or let's say as a car. That's a good one. There's two things going on here. You wouldn't normally do suggestive selling until I've got you committed to the first purchase. Let's say it's a Ford Focus or something, and you go in, and it's £35,000, and um, it's, it's, your, you know, it's your dream car. I'm having this. Now, the salesman isn't going to go, car's 35000 And we've got 27,000 pounds worth of extras. Do you want them? They're not going to do that at the beginning. Once they've got you emotionally bought, I'm having this. I can't wait. And they go, you sat in the seat and you're like, oh, look, sign up. You know, here's my credit card. Then they do this. And this part is called the second sale is the easiest. And they're sitting in the car with you and they say, so, uh, yes, lovely cars. But did you know, okay, that there's a leather pack for these seats and it's only a thousand pound more? Okay, says, yeah, go on. I love the the 1,000 pound. I love the the leather pack. And then they say, do you know that stereo you got? It's pretty good, but we can upgrade it to uh, Blahpunk or whatever they call it uh, or or something like that. And you say, how much is that? They say 600 pound, 500 pound. go on, go on. Because it's not much compared to the 35,000. We fall into that trap all the time, but we as... So I'm talking to the business people out there now listening to this. You don't do it enough. You give up at the first sale because you have lots of mental blocks about taking too much money off these people. But the reality is the mental block from the client's point of view is really all about the first purchase. It's all about having the courage to open their wallets or their purses. You, let's say you got somewhere special to go, uh, maybe your best mate's wedding or something like that. And you think, I've got to go and get a new suit. I've got to go and get a new dress. And let's say it's a thousand quid for this suit or two thousand quid or eight hundred quid, it doesn't really matter. And if it's not an easy budget for you, as in, you know, that's, that if that's not loose change for you, you might pontificate over this for a week or a fortnight. Sorry,
1: just got to pause you there, Carl. Just got to pause you there. Pontificate. Yeah, write it down. <laughs> I knew you were going to yeah, pick up on that. pontificate. <laughs> that's got to be word of the episode, I think, so far. like that.
0: <laughs> sorry, I got a bit flowed, getting a bit flowing, was yeah, sorry, sorry, I had
1: to break your stride there because we had to pull out pontificate.
0: <laughs> you are not going to get out of that shop. Without you wanting to buy new shoes to go with a new dress. Okay. And if you're having new shoes, you may as well have a new shirt. And if you're having a new shirt, you have a new tie. And if you're having a new tie, you may as well have the cufflinks. And I'm having my cufflinks, I'm having my hair done. I've got my hair done, I'm having my nails done. But unless the person who's managing that uh, purchase directs the client, either on a one to one or through the um, on sales system, or even through um, the the POS system, the the client journey as they walk around around the branch. However they're going to do it, unless they do that, they're going to lose a lot of sales.
2: Okay, so um, in summary, I know it's a bit of a broad question, but what would be your top three tips for people to take away who are listening regarding how they can improve maybe their own processes when it comes to selling their product or service?
0: Yeah, maybe three must-dos. Must do's must do is you must know who you're selling to. One, find out who you are selling to, and it's not everyone. Two, I wish you'd prep me for this. <laughs> number two, <laughs> uh, number two, be absolutely obsessed with selling. Be obsessed with it. Whether you're a retailer, which really is your only job, is to be obsessed with it. And when I mean be obsessed, I mean be obsessed, be analytical, be thorough. Um, don't let your business um, waver because you're not obsessed with it. So that would be um, where I would go. But I think also, three, I would probably say, make sure you take advantage of all of the options. I mean, we haven't talked about loss leaders. We haven't talked about eye levels. We haven't talked about most profitable. I think you've got to take advantage of all of the options. It's not good enough any longer to, let's say, open a, Uh, A boutique clothes shop put some expensive dresses out and leave it. I mean, what price do you put on them? How do you display the price? What colour is the label? What number does it start with? What number does it finish with? We 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 start off with a nice idea, but we don't get enough knowledge. And perhaps perhaps the third one really is and make sure you keep growing your knowledge.
1: Wow, wow. what a fa- what a fascinating conversation that was today. I feel like I've learned so much, and I feel like I could ask so much more, don't you, Claire?
2: Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I've got so much more to ask you, but I'm going to stop.
1: <laughs> Every episode, we finish off with the same set of questions or a similar set of questions, all inspired by a US TV show called Inside the Actor Studio. Uh, but because you're the first one for 2022, we're going to surprise you <laughs> with some questions that you're not ready for. Um, Basically. Because <laughs> we, we, we always jumble it up and mix it up at the beginning of the year and bring in some new ones. So uh, let's
0: go with the first one, Claire.
2: OK, Carl, what is your favourite word? No, I think my favourite
0: word really is probably determination. Mm. Oh, great word. Strong word. Determination will get you everywhere. We were
1: testing these questions out last night because Claire and I went out for a meal last night and uh, I asked Claire the same question and on a completely different level, her answer was meringue.
2: <laughs> I can't believe he said that. Oh, dear. It just well it just is okay it just uh, okay. is <laughs> so okay i can't,
0: I can't compete so with what's that. your least favorite word well apart from the obvious current c word i don't know what the word would be but it's probably the opposite of determination people who um give up so soon so yeah oh apathy apathy my god what a
1: word uh, okay um what's your favorite biscuit Oh, that's
0: always easy. Everyone says hobnobs, don't they? No, nice. not at all.
1: No, it's a it's a it's a real smorgasbord of biscuits we get, don't we? Is it? Yeah. You can dunk a hobnob, can't you? Yeah, they're quite an absorbent biscuit, aren't they? Yeah, it's, they, but they they hang out a few seconds. Who was it we spoke to? Um, oh, it was Gareth Wax, isn't it? we were yeah, talking about LinkedIn with Gareth yeah. Wax. He does he he does this thing called tea dueling. Have you heard of this? <laughs> no. Like, it's a, it's an actual competition where you start you sit in front of someone with a mug of tea each, and you dunk a biscuit, and you. you Go, see who can go the longest before the the biscuit turns into mulch and just drops into the bottom of the cup. Oh well, and it's an actual, it's a real thing. It's an actual competition, and not only do they they take it so seriously that they obviously have a, a gauge, a scale for absorbency of biscuit. And I think is it digestive is the most absorbent. I think it was Le- digested, Least absorbent, yeah. the one that the one that you usually choose, choose is digestive. Who
2: would have thought? Every day's a learning day.
1: <laughs> That's a good place to finish, Carl. Thank you so much. We've learned so much today. Can we wrap up by uh, finding? out how people can get in touch with you if you want to, they want to learn more about exactly what you do and you, i know you slipped in that book thing earlier on we've got to mention that too yeah
0: sure so the book is called um salon products sell or die not trying and it's a book about mindset change on retailing it was uh dedicated to people who ended up losing their businesses because they wouldn't get behind retailing it's not even dedicated to my wife If people want to get hold of me, (laughs) do you know when you write a book, it's like dedicated to my wife and children? Uh, No, not this time. You can get it from uh, wwwsalon helpcouk where there's lots of other things on there as well. And um, that's a good place to contact me as well. Or you can contact me on info at salon helpcouk this is The Big Little Business Show, the podcast with bigger tips for small business.
2: There's so much decision-making behind why people purchase the way that they do, you know, how it makes them feel, the emotions behind what they see. And there's. I, I'm actually just really looking forward to going into a shop and experiencing it now knowing what I know um from Carl and it's 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 just fascinating how the human brain works and how we respond to lots of clues whether it be visual clues or information about a product or a service before we buy
1: it, and some of the stuff that Carl was picking out was—it's so subtle. Chip,
2: it's so big, though. At the same time, isn't it? It's so subtle, but
1: I know it's so clever. It's exci- it's exciting. I'm excited by it, and I get you get what you're saying. Uh, the things that he was saying that I hadn't actually realised. I mean, some of it I knew already, but there was quite a lot that I didn't know. Mm. And listening to him saying these things, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I've seen that in that store, mm. or I've seen that online on that website. And you don't realise it's there until someone points it out.
2: And I think that in itself just proves the point of what we're saying. It is done in such a way that we we don't think about it. We don't notice what's happening. But it actually does um, influence our decisions hugely, the way that that information is either... Um, presented or produced
1: and I know Carl has got such a wealth of knowledge on this subject that I'm no doubt we'll have him back for other episodes I know we, we started to talk about loyalty schemes off air with him as well um, which is perhaps something we want to come back on uh, as a separate episode because mm. I think that's quite an important one to cover uh, but thank you very much to Carl go and check him out online and you can get to him via our website which is biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and now I think possibly one of your favourite parts of the show Claire is Dean Fox Mr Fox is back
2: <laughs> so So when you change the way that you look at things, the things that you look at change. And Dean always shares so many um, very powerful stories about how we can react to certain situations in a different way and how we can have a different outlook.
3: Today's story is about context, persuasion, and how it applies to just about everything in your business. In 2007, a man stood outside a subway station in Washington, D.C. and started to play the violin. Over the course of about 45 minutes, he played six different pieces, including two by Bach and one by Schubert. Because it was rush hour, it was absolutely crowded. Over a thousand people poured through the station during the time he was playing. In that time, only seven people stopped and stayed for any length of time. About 20 people gave him money, but just as they were passing by and in totally collected about $32, not one single person applauded. Only one person out of the thousand plus that passed through that station that day actually recognised him. She patiently waited for him to finish and then went up to say hello to Joshua Bell, who was one of the most celebrated musicians in the world. He'd just played one of the most intricate pieces ever written on a violin worth over three and a half million dollars. Just three days earlier, Bell had sold out a theatre just down the road from where he was playing, playing exactly the same repertoire where the average ticket price was $112 and it was sold out. So what has this story got to do with business? It's not just a lesson to try and appreciate the beauty that's around us every single day and be present in the moment that we're there to experience it. It's also a lesson that context is everything and that persuasion can never be assumed or taken for granted. Have a great day.
2: So you can find out more about Dean by visiting his website at www.deanafox.com Com. You can also find out um, and hear from our back catalogue of episodes by visiting our website, which is biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and you can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn too.
1: Yeah, and if you haven't done already, go to our website, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and put your email address in the box and we'll send you notifications whenever a new episode comes up. We'll send you details about back episodes and special episodes and a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, but it's only every week. We don't sort of pay to you with stuff uh, if you want to get, uh, keep on top of what we're doing within the podcast in 2022 uh, then make sure you leave us your email address and go and visit us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and until next time that's us done say goodbye Claire
2: bye bye
0: You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at
3: biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show.